0: Welcome to the Word of Christ, sermons from Pastor Sean Denzer, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. The third ring is from the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, the eighth chapter. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. O Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the great faith of a leper and the great faith of a centurion are in full view for us today in the gospel. What makes their faith so great isn't how hard they believe it, as if faith were a power that we could whip up and work up in ourselves. No, what makes their faith great is the one in whom they trust. The promises, the words or the miraculous healing that they might receive from this Jesus as he passes by would not depend on their faith at all, as if they had a hand in making it happen. Rather, the promises, words, or miraculous healings that they might receive from Jesus will happen because the Lord wills it and because his authority always acts for our good. None of the two in today's gospel are busy pondering the question, I wonder if he is able to do this. I wonder if he has the power to do it. No, the concern is only about the third petition, thy will be done. And indeed, what good and gracious will God's will is, which is done even without our prayers or our faith, but. Because we believe, because we trust in Christ, we ask that it may be done among us also. Now what captures Jesus' attention today is worth ours also. The centurion understands authority, and therefore he thinks he knows something about how Jesus operates. I'm sure you've had an experience like this, when someone who knows very little about what you do tries to come up and tell you how their job really is a lot like yours. You, I know, bear with me when I do my best to talk about combines or shift work. You'd bear with me because you know that I care and I'm trying, but you certainly would laugh to yourself if I went into a long diatribe about, well, you know, what I do really is a lot like what you do. I totally understand it and things like that. Well... In today's gospel, Jesus is not just being polite to this bold centurion. Something different than our conversations is happening here. Because the centurion isn't saying, well, I can imagine what it's like to be the Son of God, because I've been a soldier, that's about the same, right? No, he is confessing with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, that is, He is saying that he knows who Jesus is. He doesn't need to walk a mile in Christ's shoes or learn his lingo or experience all of the things that he has experienced. The centurion needs only to hear the word from Jesus. He needs the promises that come from a divine authority. But he knows that he can find those here. The Apostle Paul wrote in the chapter that follows today's epistle that there is no authority except that which is from God, and all those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Now, authority is a very good thing. It exists because God has ordered our world. He has created and designed it with structure and with order, and even with beauty, all of the opposite of that that we see the futility in our world does not come from God it comes from sin and Paul says that all of creation has been subjected to that sin not willingly but as a result of our fall and nevertheless the authorities and the orders that God established continue on and despite much sin they manage to do good Some good. They work, in fact, to curb and to limit sin in our world. They preserve this world, even while they never quite manage to save it. And that, of course, is because the authority to do that belongs to Jesus and to Him alone. Now, it's become popular to make a sharp distinction between the words power and authority. And I find this distinction to be very helpful. Power is ability. Power is a matter of strength and capacity more than anything. But authority is different. Authority means that there is an author somewhere else. It's not simply about one doer. Authority has a purpose. Authority has limits. And authority has goals. Authority is not fulfilled like power is. Power always seeks to grab more of it and to Keep it for yourself. But authority is something that is exercised by discharging it. Most importantly of all, while the powerful always seek more power and they want to use it for their own benefit, authority is never for the sake of the one who has the authority. Authority is always to be exercised for the great benefit of the one who is placed under that authority. Now the centurion expresses this perfectly in his little military example. He is a man under authority. He is under Caesar ultimately and likely a few more generals in the chain of command as well. But being under authority means that he has authority and must discharge it also for those who are under him. The word of an authority does what it says when it is properly exercised. Just as a commander's word gets the job done among his soldiers, so much more will the word and command of Jesus accomplish just what it says. That is that man's faith. Now, it's hard this week not to take a little time to consider power and authority. We all know that authority, all of it, has its root in the fourth commandment. That is the foundational authority in this earthly life, the authority of fathers and mothers. And so it is that we mourn to see God's most beautiful order and authority, the one that is designed for the rearing of children, that even that can be mutated into a battle of power. No one has the right to pervert parental power so that instead of using it to nourish and sustain new life of a child, that power instead conspires to end that life in the womb. That is an abuse of authority it's turning authority inward for the benefit of the powerful one at the expense of the vulnerable and the weak who have been entrusted to their charge lord have mercy on us we also see all the showdowns among our highest governing authorities and we have to ask the question are they doing this for the good of our country of us or are they doing it to secure their own power and even to undermine their opponents only that's a good question for us to ask And now that politics has become the real religion for so many, it's becoming a much more difficult task to distinguish between power and authority, especially when it comes to those who ought to exercise it rightly, but probably don't. Most these days, it seems, refuse to discharge their authority unless it is going to secure and advance their own power. In these gray and latter days, dear saints, let us not, in the midst of all of this, fall for that cliché. You know it. The one that says, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that's the end of it. No, we we, we Christians know that it is not authority, it is not even power that corrupts, But it is corrupt and sinful men who wield their power in unauthorized ways. We know that our own flesh, yes, even ours, is every bit as corrupt as those who have all of the power to make their corruption obvious. Apart from Christ and the Holy Spirit, we too would make a mess of everything that we have. But, since we have received the Word of God, since we know the will of God, yes, not in every minute detail, but we know the will of God in the great and sufficient order of His command and creation. And so we need to speak clearly and accurately about it at all times, especially to defend authority even when those who have it abuse it. It's always easiest to tear down authority itself. And that leads us to just be rebellious all the time, as if order were the thing that were evil. It's much harder to do what Jesus commands us to do, which is to remove the planks from our own eyes and to admit, first of all, that our own sin is the true destructive force. We should give more attention to today's epistle too, because it excellently teaches this. That my very unwillingness to submit to authority, that is the proof, that is the proof that I actually really am after power for myself. I'm afraid to lose any of it, so I need to seize it for myself. Just as Eve seized after that power but the one that had not been authorized for her. Ultimately, that, dear Christians, is the leprosy that plagues all of us, that I seek my own power, and whatever I cannot have for myself, I do my best to prevent anyone else from ever having either. What can rescue us, a nation, a people, a family, from such a miserable and never-ending struggle? Well, only the selflessness of the Christ, only the Lord's authority, rightly exercised, discharged for the benefit of those under Him. And discharged not as we must expect in this world according to matters of right and power, but discharged according to pure grace and mercy. God did not consider equality with God, power in the extreme, something to be grasped. But He humbled Himself, taking on the form of a servant and being obedient to death, even the death of the cross, for us. What does it mean to have a Lord Jesus Christ? Does it mean that we submit ourselves to the rules of a boss? Does it mean that we will be overpowered by inevitability? Does it mean to become a slave? Far from it. It means to be a son. It means to have promises from one who is authorized and is faithful. It means to have a rescuer and a deliverer. Because Christ's authority is the authority to save sinners. He is the authority to lay down His life and take it up again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. So what does He do? He sends out His eternally judgmental word to make this solemn declaration. I am faithful even though you are not, Jesus says. I rise up to rescue what was not only taken from Me, but which ran away from Me of their own accord. That is what your Lord Jesus is after. Christ claims you with His name not as property, but as a beloved and cherished possession that He will take good care of because He has purchased you with His own life. He gives instruction to keep you in everything that He has entrusted to you. And He says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of this age, because His authority outlasts soldiers, it outlasts congressmen and governors and presidents, even outlast kings and countries and empires. His authority is from everlasting, to everlasting. And it is not the authority of power and might, but of grace. Do you indeed have a word from this Lord? Then do not despise the author of life, Trust in Him, and keep His commands and His promises dearly. Because then, dear saints, it shall be to you just as you believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Word of Christ. You can find more sermons at verbachristi.blogspot.com and if you have need to contact Pastor Denzer, you can email him at pastor@denzer.org. That's P-A-S-T-O-R at D-A-E-N-Z-E-R dot O-R-G Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Amen.